Hey, I'm your announcer, Patsy LaTorre, and you're about to hear issue 16 of the Sunspots Comics podcast, where Chris, my husband, my BFF, will discuss all things comic books and review his top comic book picks of the week. So here's your host, Chris LaTorre. Well, thank you, my lovely announcer, Patsy. And a funny story about her being the guest announcer, she insisted without hesitation that she wanted Little Mermaid to be played during the intro, during the announcement. And she was worried. She said, well, maybe it's not a comic. Maybe we shouldn't play it. And I said, "It well, it was a comic. They did a movie adaptation. I remember it running maybe 12 issues. It was done by Marvel. And it was based on the 1989 movie. I think it was in the early 90s, mid-94, 95, something like that. So it was a comic book. And I also remember there was like a grim fairy tale version of it, too, uh, of Little Mermaid. So there you go. Well, anyway, thank you again, Patsy, for being my announcer. And let's get into the show. Thanks again for listening. This is Chris Latori, and this is issue 16 of the Sunspots Comics podcast. Thank you for taking a look at sunspotscomics.com. Thank you for putting your eyes on zombiedestroyers.com. There is a new webcomic I'm going to be posting on there very soon. Got an artist. Pretty excited. And also thank you for following, liking, looking, retweeting on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. And before we get started, too, i got to give a shout-out to the U.K., I uh, have had listeners, um, people that have been responding and listening out in the UK, and it's growing weirdly, strangely. So, hello, UK. I probably just lost them now. But anyway, <laughs> I want to give a shout out and thank you to folks out there. And also, I want to make an announcement of the Minions contest winner, Nicole Collegio. Again, sorry, Collegio? Are you Italian? I don't know. I'm not sure. But thank you so much for writing in your statement that made me laugh the most. All of them made me laugh. But hers was, uh, Les polito can nama fabless pretzels. Nama kashash me thirsty. And it was, the chicken is dry and these pretzels are making me thirsty. So <laughs> it just made me laugh and it made me laugh right now as I'm reading it again. Thank you for sending in your uh, your min- minion sentence to chris at sunspotscomics.com, my email. You are the winner. I will be mailing you some minion toys, minion pez, minion comic stuff. So thank you for writing in. Thanks for paying attention to it. Sorry I didn't get around to announcing the winner. But there you go. Good job, Nicole. It's uh, check your mailbox very soon. And we're going to jump right in to the top of the show here because we've got so much to get into. We'll start off with the five factoid comic book feel-good freebies. And this week there were five really good ones. Good stuff. Just stuff that's heartwarming, stuff that makes you feel good. Sometimes there's a memoriam in there. But uh, I got five this week and they're five good ones. The first one comes from Time Magazine, titled, Dad Says That Guardians of the Galaxy Helped His Son to Speak. Wow. The boy's inspiration? Groot. And let me read the top of the article here. The Guardians not only saved the universe on the big screen, they may have also helped my little boy find his voice. Josh Dunlop reached out to Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn on Facebook to share the story of his son Sawyer, who suffers from dyspraxia. Dyspraxia. A learning disorder that can inhibit motor skills acquisition. Well, basically, the kid watched Guardians of the Galaxy a bunch of times, and he started actually mimicking his speech, saying some words that sounded very much like, I am Groot, and he wrote a a, a deeply moving thank you note to Mr. Gunn, saying that he's 
his movie and this and the way he's depicted it on the screen is is inspiring his son, helping his son with this with this learning disorder to read. So wow, that just it, it, like I almost came to tears just reading it. So beautiful story from Tam, Time Magazine regarding Guardians of the Galaxy and Mr. James Gunn. Thank you so much. The second one is from GQ Magazine, and its title is why comic books are helping us process human rights issues. And I thought, this is interesting. It's a very in-depth article, but there are human rights activist organizations uh, like uh, the one called The Guardian, uh, one called a comic book strip called A Bike's Story, and it's all about uh, human trafficking. There's a La Lucha, which is uh, translated into Spanish, sold in Mexico, reaching out to different communities, helping with literacy and human rights. So this was an area I, I honestly didn't really know existed. And when I saw the headline, I said, wow, I'm going to read more into this. I definitely recommend looking at the article, Time Magazine, Why Comic Books Are Helping Us Process Human Rights Issues. So very cool when this thing I love so much actually helps communities and reaches out to people in positive ways. That's why this story is here. So that one I loved. Story three is, I just wish Los Angeles did this. I'm not a, a big theater like a musical or theater goer per se. I'm a movie theater, sure, but not in the area of plays. Not an area I necessarily reach out and love. But this is a local man that, uh, here we go, I'll start off the article. Brown Coat focuses on comic book theater with monsters. So ultimately, this guy who has some experience in the theater and has won a local award for doing a play has decided to kick it up into an area that he loves, which is comic book films, comic book movies, comic books. Uh, he even named it the Brown Coat Theater from, from a series that I love, the Serenity Firefly series. And he has decked it out with comic book pictures and such in this little mini theater. And he's doing shows based on his love of Doctor Who and just everything in Nerdvana that he digs. And he's doing small plays for the community. And I just thought it's cool. I'd go see it. He wrote here that uh, the audience understands that there won't be CGI involved. But he's just doing small little pieces, 30-minute uh, plays on comic books and sci-fi nerddom. And it's just, I just thought very cool. If it were in L.A., I would go see it in a heartbeat. He references so many things here from Serenity and Firefly. And and let's give a shout out to his name here, which I am I was looking at. I know his last name is Smith, but I'm looking for his first name. It's John Smith. No, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, it's on here somewhere. But uh, Nick Smith. There we go. Man on a mission. Nick Smith. There you go. So props to you, Nick, doing it. I appreciate it. And I'll check it out. It's in uh, on Wilmington. It's in the city of Wilmington on 111 Grace Street, and there's a phone number and browncoattheater.com. So I'm going to check more of it out, and if I'm ever in that area, I'm going to go see a short play on Nerdvana. <laughs> and the, uh, the next episode, the uh, next issue here is uh, from film, slash film.com, and it, the title is, Want a Batman Burger? Malaysia has DC Comics cafes. And this just frustrates me. Why don't we have this in Los Angeles? But they're opening up in Malaysia 
DC Comics Superheroes Cafes. And there's a picture of a Batman burger. Yeah, he cut out cheese into the shape of a Batman symbol, and it's on the top of the bun, folks. So he has all types of dishes. The place is decked out with neon and comic book stuff everywhere, from Batman to Superman. It has just even the, the chairs, the seats, the tables, the counter. Everything is decked out with comic book theme-related food. And uh, I need all this in me immediately there's a green lantern cup of coffee where yeah he he, and with the cream he makes superhero uh you know symbol with the cream and green lantern ring with the with the cream and in coffee just all these little touches that just i would spend all of my money at this place why don't we have this here in california i mean even in in america i mean this guy's doing it so shout out to malaysia why don't we have this here? DC Comics Superhero Cafes. Check it out. You could just type in on any search DC Comics Superhero Cafe and it's happening. Good job, Malaysia. <laughs> Come on, America. And my next uh, or my fifth and final feel good factoid freebie is unfortunately a memoriam to Mr. Lenny B. Robinson, known as Route 29 Batman. We all heard that he was killed in a roadside accident. This guy that drove around in a modified Lamborghini to look kind of like a Batmobile, black and yellow, wearing his 90s uh, Michael Keaton Batman suit, just going to hospitals, going to charitable donation foundations as Batman, which is strange. We don't normally think of. I guess Batman is being, you know, a a character in public to be charitable, (laughs) but in, you know, he's a superhero and it inspires kids. And this is what he did on his, on his, on his personal time, driving his Lamborghini around. And even Jimmy Fallon, uh, showed the video where he was pulled over by policemen (laughs) and they just wanted to take selfies with him. They just wanted to take pictures with him. And you can see that video on YouTube, but beautiful to hear that someone's picked up where he left off and is, is doing his appearances for him, which is amazing. So fantastic that they're honoring Mr. Lenny B. Robinson in that way and continuing on his work. And man, is it just blown up all over. I mean, trending online. Uh, His celebrities have stepped forward, like football player um, Ray Lewis has stepped up and and has some pictures of when they they met each other and how he just talks about how he's such a positive spirit. Oh, it's choking me up. Even musician John Mayer wrote, uh, posted something online that was pretty beautiful and well said. And uh, check that out if you're a a fan of his music. Uh, Just a beautiful moment from him when he met him as well. So the outpouring of love and the outpouring of of joy that this 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 guy that Lenny that he created out there and was was it was he was chasing his dream and he was doing it for the kids and you have to respect that you have to love him for it. So um, we'll miss you. Thank you for everything you did. And um, that's that's our memoriam to Mr. Lenny Robinson. So those are the five feel good factoid comic book freebies. Hope you like them. And I got to stand on the soapbox for just a second, just a minute. I don't do it very often. You know, I'm all about the positiveness and I guess this isn't necessarily all negative. It's just a little scary. This is from bleedingcool.com and it's an article titled hot topic. Yeah, that's right. That's the store in the mall that, that no one very much goes to. <laughs> well, maybe they do. I don't know. And it says a hot topic, a new national comic book chain store question mark. This is frightening. This just basically talks about that they're considering converting the Hot Topic stores in all the malls everywhere in the world, about 650 stores, to comic book stores. Now, to what extent? I'm not exactly sure. Whether that means 70-30, what ratio? Comics to paraphernalia? Not really sure. There's even a publisher uh, called Double Take 
which they're doing a whole bunch of series based on comic book or uh, zombie comic books. They're talking about it only exclusively selling to Hot Topic. So that even leads me to believe this could be happening. The reason I believe it's frightening is because local comic book shops to me are exactly that. They're local. And it it's mom and pop shops that, that just pour their love into it. Uh, this, I don't know, corporate view of things. I mean, sure, maybe it could be good and maybe I'm thinking negative, but... I just liked the the look, the feel, the smell of a local comic book shop where they've just poured love into it years and years and years and years and understand it and get it. I just don't know if Hot Topics can be able to capture that. Will they? And that'll take the 2,200 stores nationwide currently, uh, increasing it by 650 stores overnight. How's that going to affect the local comic book shop people? Are they going to put some of them out of business? Are they going to family-owned spots not going to be able to continue to be competitive and have to close their doors? I mean, yeah, some would say it, you should be, you know, if you're a comic book store owner, you, you should be more competitive and be forced to compete. But I think that's going to make it difficult with overnight 650 stores turning into comic book shops. That could really change things. And I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it in a negative way, but I just don't think Hot Topic can truly capture what I truly love about a local comic book shop, which is that it's local and it's just poured and oozed over with love and years of dedication to some to a, to a hobby that they love. It's just, I don't know, corporatized uh, feel of it with Hot Topic. So anyway, that's uh, I'd love to hear your, your feel on that, your talk on that. Send me something on the, the social medias or directly email chris at Sunspots Comics. I'd love to hear your feel and take on that. How do you feel about Hot Topic potentially having 650 stores overnight, having 650 comic book stores, their, sh- their stores converted to comic book stores, and how that could affect the small guy. Anyway, that's my soapbox moment. I'll step down from that. Sorry. <laughs> so there's that. So let's get right into my favorite part of the Sunspots comic show, which is my review of the top four comic book picks of the week for August 19th, Wednesday, New Comic Book Day. And there were 11 issues, 11 which were very good, and four were great. And I... The theme, the theme was just, well, a little all over the place. There were, you know, three just good timey feel funds and then one kind of serious crazy. So you'll see what I'm talking about when I jump right into it. But uh, this is a, a good week for comics. I like when there's like 11. That's just the right amount. It only takes me, you know, roughly a few hours to read all 11. So here we go. Busting into the number four spot is by Marvel Comics, Star Wars. By Jason Aaron, Emmonson, and Ponzor, and it's number eight, and beautiful cover with Luke Skywalker on the front with multiple weapons pointed at his face, and this was just a, a just an absolute blast. I mean, I I know people are complaining about continuity issues and how it affects the grand scheme of the Star Wars universe. Well, this is just a peek in between what could have happened, a what if in betweener, and let me tell you, the art is gorgeous on this. Stuart Eminen's art, it it really, I mean, it, maybe it helped that I was listening to episode one's Duel of Fate, just on repeat, which is my favorite sort of part of episode one, because there's not very many favorite parts. Darth Maul, sort of his intro song and the fight with Darth, Darth Maul, and I just played it on repeat as I was reading this issue, and it just feels right, like I was watching... A Star Wars movie. It, it really has a cinematic feel to it. The action's fantastic. His faces sort of look like the actors, but they're their own little twist. And there's a panel here where Luke Skywalker in issue number six, actually, 
uh, found this notebook, issue number seven. Uh, it was a Obi-Wan Kenobi's notebook, that he, his diary, while he was on Tatooine protecting Luke. And it was nice. Issue number seven was, or yeah, seven was a romp into the world of Ben Kenobi protecting Luke. Well, now we jump back into sort of current time, if you will. And Luke's uh, doesn't know what to do with this notebook, and so he decides to just mix it up and go to a kind of a messed up planet and mixes it up there with the local riffraff. And it, the panel where he has to, he's forced to take his lightsaber out because he's getting into a tussle here, it's uh, just beautiful and, and just so iconic. And the art, the, the, the facial expressions from these aliens that are after him, just top-notch. I really, really, really enjoyed that. So it was just a lot of fun. That's why it made the top four. It looked beautiful. Gotta give it hats off. Wasn't heavy dialogue driven. It was a quick and easy read. Star Wars number eight. Check it out. Very, very good. My number four. Number three was um, by Marvel Comics again. Amazing Spider-Man. Renew your vows number four. It looks like this is coming to an end, which is sad. Looks like the fifth and final one will be it. And it kind of goes first into describing the multiverse, the, the secret wars, the blah, 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 battle world. I don't really care about all that. <laughs> I just enjoyed that Peter Parker is an adult here. He's got his daughter, May. Mary Jane and him are still married from when, when that was in the mid-90s. Listen to my previous podcast to hear me break that down a little bit more. But this is just kind of action-packed. There's first, they do an homage to May having her powers and she lifts the car up on, with with one hand. Very Superman-esque. I like that. Good job, Marvel. Oh, by the way, team of uh, Dan Slott, who's been doing Spider-Man for so long and doing such a great job. Art by Adam Kubert and Scott Hanna. They shared art on this with colorist Justin Ponzer. Colorists, the color work is fantastic on this. Well done. Very crisp, very clear, very realistically colored. And so it adds to that real feel to it. And Regent, I tell you, he's uh, very iconic. I love that he has sort of a symbol on his chest, and he looks something like a cross between Doomsday and Thanos. He just has that that big world feel to him, you know, big baddie feel, which I really like. He has just an iconic look to him, and the colors, the silver, the white, the gray, and then the the accented red eyes. And just very well well drawn and has a great look. And I think he's one that's going to stay. So this is now, uh, it's coming down to it. You can tell this is wrapping up. Uh, Regent um, catches Spider-Man, who is teaming up with Sandman. What? Sandman being uh, one of the, you know, Sinister Six. But it makes sense that he has to ally with, that Spider-Man has to ally with Sandman because Regent's going after people with powers and he's stealing those powers. So that just sort of, they're, they're forced to be friends in this situation and thank thank goodness he has them because uh regent captures them both now and it looks like it was part of the plot so that sandman could relay to the resistance where regent's stronghold is and they have uh the spot who was able to make these black teleportation spots between places and as spider-man is actually captured though in this scheme Regent has no hesitation, flips a switch, and looks like drowns Spider-Man immediately. There's no monologuing. <laughs> He's all business, and Regent just says, yeah, you're dead. Click. He, Oh, Spider-Man goes, you're insane! And he clicks the button, he says, yeah, and you're dead. And just walks out of the room. <laughs> and it looks like he runs out of air, and he's drowning. He's in some sort of liquid. But Sandman has a plot to help out. They have a transport black dot 
in the center of his chest, which is strange conceptually, but hey, you just got to go with it. Just run with it. Don't think about it too much. And <laughs> he's able to throw some sand back into the resistance headquarters and lay out a little little sign in sand saying, with an arrow, uh, Regent Stronghold this way. Hello, go get him. And this is May's sort of coming out fight, sort of breakout fight, if you will. They, she makes a makeshift costume. Her mom gives her the blessing to, hey, you've got superpowers. You have spider ability. Do what you do, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be scared for you. You can see it in Mary Jane's face, but she's like, you have powers. Go do what you do. And she takes on Craven. She's, she's quick. She's quippy. She's, she fights dirty. Um, I kind of like that. And crafty. And she does well. She handles her own. And then, you know, at the end of the issue, it's let's jump into this quick portal and, and go save save Spider-Man. The, the clock is ticking. He's already out of air. So very little time. Very great setup for the, the fifth and final issue of this Renewing Your Vows. So that's my number three pick, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Check that whole series out. Wait for it to come out uh, in completion and get it on trade or pick it up in singles. It's, it's just well done, well paced, action, fun. And my number two pick is by Image Comics, Empty Zone, by Jason Sean Alexander. And this is just so well done. It's made pick of the week before. And it's the art winner. Uh, it it's, has such a gritty, realistic look to it. The shading, the darkness of it. It goes from lime greens to black. Just the color palette's insane. And this is a pretty messed up issue. Um, <laughs> you start out with your main character... Uh, going to a place to have her robotic arm fixed after she was in this massive tussle with this robot that was trying to take her out. She has memory issues. She's piecing it together. She's trying to figure out if she's involved in this bigger plot of this sort of, I don't know if it's maybe a robot army or what their sort of plot is at this point. But there's nasty robots that are just doing some nastiness. Well, they go into this place where they slip them into like this sort of matrix, the matrix-like construct where you can share consciousness. Pretty crazy. And her hipster friend (laughs) that's with her because this is set way in the future, but he's still like a 40s, 50s hipster. And they go into this shared matrix construct reality where where she has some hidden memories there that these this group of people that are following our main character have sort of implanted some strange memories into her and it starts to have a revelation of her past showing that she's kind of an assassin and kind of a badass and kind of trouble and just as you're getting about to get to the meat of this revelation in this matrix like shared thing she wakes out of it because she goes into sort of a seizure and she was afraid that her hipster her hipster friend would be caught in this seizure and yeah, right. Just as I'm describing this, what a mess this all sounds like, but it's so much fun. And then she just bounces. She's just like, you know, I just can't kind of take all of this and these strange flashbacks and these, these grim looking zombie robots that are chasing after her. She just sort of bounces and runs and you get this feeling of like, this is all just too much for her to handle. And she just takes off, leaves the group, leaves her, these weird people that were going to fix her arm. They, she, Wants a low-tech arm. She doesn't want a new, new, fancy, shiny, high-tech arm. She'd rather have the low-tech, robotic-looking, nasty arm. And they were able to get the arm on, but then she just runs. She says, I just can't take any of this. And you do get that sense of, like, desperation from her. I like the way they conveyed that. It's You feel it. She's just like, this is just too much. She's just feeling a dread. And she just runs. She says, I'm just going to run from it. 
And as she like takes a seat in this alley, there's like three guys there that are attempting to rob slash rape her. And so there's this insane fight scene with her and these three guys. And yeah, they, they definitely had intent to rape her. And she is able to beat them all off and steal their drugs. And she takes their drugs. And then she's crazy, I guess, wasted and goes to her girlfriend's house. And they have a romantic moment. And then, you know, all spoilers, of course. Sorry if I didn't already say it. but And then, uh, boom! Robot zombie monster breaks in the room. And her and her girlfriend don't do very well from what this robot does. I guess that's where I'll leave it. But, man, just a messed up, beautifully drawn mess and it's it's mysterious you don't really know exactly what the plot's going to be but we're getting there and we're on number three and jason sean alexander hats off beautiful artwork the layout is is just has this realistic gritty feel to it the lighting the dark shading the scene where she gets back with um with her girlfriend in this crazy romp is was just it's poignant. It's beautiful. They look into each other's eyes. They really have a loving moment, and and then not good things happen. <laughs> so, I, I have to. I can't wait to see what happens next with this, and how long this is going to go on. I don't know, but I'm definitely. It's giving you enough to where you're still interested, and not giving you too little to where you're frustrated. So, empty zone number two, and the number one numero uno pick of the week for. August 19th, new comic book day out of four. This is number one, Birthright, number 10. I know it's been on top picks in the past. Well, it deserves to be there. This is from uh, Williamson, uh, Joshua Williamson, creator, writer, Andre Bresson, creator, artist, Andrew Lucas, colorist, and Pat Brousseau, letterer. Apologize if names were jacked up. It happens. I do it. I'm sorry. But, man, so many great points to make on this comic it, it's the cover winner uh, for sure absolutely gross our main character mikey is ripping his stomach skin apart to reveal a demon in blood on his stomach so very mature very gross and a pool of blood definitely uh making a stand it, it definitely is something that's a little shocking, a little jaw-dropping. You're like, oh, he's tearing his skin away from his stomach. So cover winner, beautifully gross. <laughs> Hats off to them with this cover. And I tell you, the art has this ethereal look with all these blue neons that they use and this world that they visit back and forth from. It's just gorgeous. You just want to... I want to stay in that world. I'd love to. I hope one day they stay in there a little longer because mostly it's flashbacks. But this sort of shows the character again and how Mikey was being raised in this land when he mysteriously slipped away from Earth and went to this weird Lord of the Rings <laughs> realm and shows him hunting his first animal and how he feels about that kill and he you know, feels remorse for the animal and feels sad and like he never wants to kill again. Um, yet this is food and he tells him you know, that this is okay and he has this, you know, this mentor, this sort of minotaur looking horned um beast and so it's a little i love the flashback feel of this and how they go into him growing up in this weird land this normal human that has to find his way through this magical realm and it's always consistent the art is just solid consistently done the coloring is gorgeous beautiful to look at and it's like they use 
these flashbacks is like there's these training montages, which I love. I, I just I almost want those back to back just to see an entire montage of, of all of that. But the big, I'd say, turning point as to why, besides the montaging, the first time hunting, the, uh, the they're back on Earth now in current day, and there's this crazy spirit animal warrior monster that wants to purge Mikey of his evil possession, of this demon that's possessed him, that he's has to listen to, or this, this demon will tear him apart, the one on the cover he's trying to rip out of him. Well, the big reveal here is after a battle that uh, the, his younger brother takes part in this battle is that he chose this demon to be in him, this King Lore. He wasn't possessed. It was by choice. So this makes a fundamental shift in this main character. You had heart for Mikey. You thought he disappeared from the family. He was trying to maybe make things better. Well, maybe he isn't. Maybe, or maybe he's still evil, possessed. He's, he's, or maybe he's chosen evil. That's what I like about this. It takes a big turn that you didn't see coming, or you thought our main character was all good, and maybe he's not. And then they even mention that maybe his young brother would be the perfect host for this king lore. It's like he wants to transfer this evil demon into his younger brother, which this story is, is primarily driven on their brother-brother love for each other. And... But it now, tw- it's, the whole thing is just twisting it on its head. So I can't wait to see where this goes. I didn't see that coming. It was a shocker. It's tough to surprise me in comics. <laughs> and this did. And I like the surprise. It, they don't necessarily lay it out that he has absolutely chosen this. Maybe he's playing along. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's, uh, his, his, he's just uh, evil now because of this possession. Hard to say. But beautifully done. Uh, just that partnership. Between art and writer, you can feel the synergy here. The the, the coming together really happens in a, in a beautiful way. So check that out. That's my number one. Birthright. Number ten. So anyway, that's the top four picks of the week. And that's our show. A short and sweet one, I know, compared to the monster of a gigantic, ginormous issue of last time. But uh, I like the short and sweet sometimes to get down to the core of things, right? It just, uh, it's nice. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out sunspotscomics.com. Thanks for following us on the Instagram and Twitter at sunspotscomics. We appreciate it. We thank you so much. And tune in next week. New stuff, new comics, all good times. And we hope you're with us to enjoy the journey. So have a good one. Oh, and of course, don't forget... As my plastic surgeon always said, if you gotta go, go with the slump. <laughs>